Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. We also support as a church uh, youth care chaplaincy, especially in our, in our Hills area, and we've got uh, three guests, and I'm going to invite you to come up on stage now, please. I've got Sue, who is the area chaplain of our area, Sue Martin, um, we've got Adrian, and I'm going to, and we've got, I've got to say this right, but, how do I say Viralia. thank you. So give them a round of applause for coming up. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you guys, if you come to this middle, so I'm going to ask you a few questions. I'm going to give, Adrian, you can take the mic, please. I'm going to start with you. But firstly, thank you for coming and being a part of our service this morning. Um, we really value the work of chaplaincy, and that's why we give and support it as a church. I think we give about 535 a month as our church uh, financially supporting youth care. Uh, I just want to ask you a few questions. So, Adrian, tell us about where you chaplain. Um, uh, tell us about what schools you're involved in. Yep, so um, I'm the chaplain at Wollaston Primary School. I've been there over 10 years now, and I'm also a chaplain down at um, Dawson Park Primary School in Forestfield, which I do three days a week as well. So. So go from one to the other, yeah. Two days at Wollaston and three days at Dawson Park, so full-time chaplain. Full-time chaplain, fantastic. Now, I've got a question for you, Adrian. What do you love about the opportunities that being a chaplain gives you for yeah, God? the opportunities to be the chaplain, um, it's so varied. Like, one, I get to walk with kids through their journey through primary school, which is awesome. Some kids out there don't have dads. And part of my role, I believe, is what God's told me to do is to share his love, the father's love for his children, particularly the ones that are fatherless and the ones that are going through a hard time. It's great when you go into a school setting and you can go and have fun and do basketball and cook and have do all the stuff that we do. But when, you know, this year a young man lost his mum and we've just been able to walk that journey through them and that's just one of the opportunities. But then the other opportunity, which I think is awesome, is we get the opportunity to link with the local churches. So in that, we're able to take this, what we called a, it was a gift hamper, but I called it a comfort food hamper. It was full of chocolate. It was full of chips. It had everything that I could think of that I wasn't allowed to eat. <laughs> and we left it at this young man's doorstep because in his grief, he can eat chocolate and have that sort of stuff. We've also had other families going through hard times. And the link is the local church. I come to the local church for just about everything that I need. I don't know if you guys give chocolate out to chaplains, but I would if I could. But we've, this year, like we've done food hampers, we've done frozen food meals. You know, you're sharing a hill's Christmas that you guys faithfully do every year. It's amazing. I love to be able to collect the food at the school, but also give the opportunities to be able to give to the families in the school. And just overall, the opportunities I get to show God's love through my actions and deeds with my hands and my feet and the little talent that I have to be able to just serve kids and serve the community. It's awesome. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Adrian. Well, um, yeah, praise God. We'll go across to Boalia and um, tell us whereabouts you, you chaplain. Um, so I am a chaplain at Gooseberry Hill Primary School and Maidaville Primary School as well. Excellent. So just around the corner. Um, I've got a question. And the question for you is, could you maybe share with us what the biggest current challenge chaplains are facing uh, in your experience at the moment and how we as a church can be committed to pray for that challenge? Um, I think with COVID and everything that's happened over the last few years, it's been very easy to feel like you need to take on more, um, especially in schools and working with kids who have a few more challenging issues than they would have had maybe a few years ago. Um, and with that comes burnout. So there's the struggle of giving um, but not really receiving and not really filling up so that you can give more. And it's easy to get burnt out. Right. I think that's our greatest challenge at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take that on board in your personal prayer time as we're praying for chaplains that, uh, you know, I, um, I really, uh, I think, you know, being a church pastor has challenges, but chaplain, you've got, you're a pastor almost to a, a church of people that aren't Christians as well. So all the challenges that come with that and families and dynamics. So let's be praying for that. Sue, you're, our, you're the area chaplain. Can you tell us a bit about your role 
um, and how chaplaincy is going in the hills. Okay, so um, I am the area chaplain in the Greater East Metro. I call my guys my gems because that's the heading. And um, they're just awesome chaplains. Look, I couldn't do what they do. And they go into a school every day and they don't know what they're facing. And they need your prayer. Mm. And I want to thank you for everything that you give to them, everything that you've given to uh, the chaplains, the finance that you've supplied. It's just been a blessing. And if nothing else, I just really covet your prayers for the area. We've got a chaplain in every school that's asked for one, but I do have some schools in the area that would like a chaplain and we don't have any. So... um, I guess the greatest need in this area is uh, hands and feet. So if any of you um, are keen or would like to ask more about chaplaincy, please ask us. Um, I want to say that Youth Care has been around for 50 years. We had our 50th anniversary this year and I just needed to get the numbers because otherwise I'd forget. We have currently 460 chaplains in 578 schools in Western Australia. So, yeah, it's great. And the area is, it's a beautiful area. I've only been in it, well, I've lived in Forestville for 20 years, but I've only been in this area for this year. And every school, every principal, every chaplain, amazing. Fantastic. And thank you for what you do too, Sue. Thank you for your role. I'm going to invite uh, Steve Williams. He's a a school teacher. He's just a great guy too. He's, I'm going to ask him to pray a blessing over you. But um, if we've got any other people that work in schooling at all, if, you, if you're brave enough, would you just stand where you are? I'd like to pray a blessing over anyone who works in schooling, Christian schooling, non-Christian schooling. If you're brave enough to, your teachers or uh, any form of office work. Um, I just want to pray for you guys. And, and Steve, I'd love you to just pray a blessing and, and, and over the chaplains, over youth care. Um, let's join our faith in prayer, hey? Yeah, Father, we... We thank you, Father. This is um, these are streams in the desert, aren't they? Lord, we can we can feel that sense that you are reaching out to us all. But Father, in this place where these guys put themselves really vulnerable, uh, really open, um, willing to serve you, Father, we we can see the stress and the strain that could bring. We thank you so much for their the commitment to take up the challenge. And Holy Spirit, we we again agree together that you would empower them with you, Spirit, that you would just fill them up and you'd make them real ambassadors for you given the wisdom to know when to reach in and when to pull back we pray father for strengthening that they would know how to prevent that burnout you call them to call us all to give father but help them to know how to give in the right way help them to uh, find that strength that comes from you oh jesus particularly in this area in the schools father for the um, for the opportunities that's there lord these guys would just be shining lights for you in the dark amen everybody said amen thank you thank you so much please uh I'm just going to hand back to the worship team and uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for our church. Thank you too. Uh, thank you. Let, let we, uh, we want to be a, that generous church that reflects the heart of God, hey? So why don't you stand with me? Let's stand together. We're going to go back into worship and then I've got a burning word on my heart, which I can't wait to share with you. But Father, we just come to you this morning. We just thank you so much for all that you are doing in our lives and in the world, Lord. We really just want to be caught up and partner with what you're doing, Holy Spirit. So I just pray we won't miss this moment as we just worship you. We surrender our hearts to you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not not actually a follower of Jesus. You're just checking him out during this worship time. Maybe this is an opportunity to open up your heart and say, God, I want to know you. I want to know you personally as we come into his presence. Spirit. 
Baby, 
love your name, Jesus, or in the attitude of prayer and worship. There is no no, 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 no heaven by which men must and women must be saved. You will not be saved in any other name. No other Saviour is alive and risen from the dead. His name is Jesus. He's the name above every name. He's the name above depression. He's the name above anxiety. He's the name above what you're going through that's trying to hold you back. He's the name above addiction. He's the name above health issues. He's the name above sickness and sin. He is the only name. And He's the name this morning that we lift up and we expect and thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in this place this morning. The name of Jesus. You know, I just want to encourage you when you're at home, when you're on your own, there's no more powerful word that can, can come out of your mouth than just Jesus. Jesus. I was so glad when I was a little boy, I was taught by my mum that when scary things would happen, if it was a nightmare, all I'd have to do was speak the name Jesus and peace would come. I'm so glad I was taught that. And I still do that today. I speak the name Jesus authority and power that He has given us. We speak that name to every situation in this room this morning, Lord. To the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Lord, I just thank You for what You put on my heart to share this morning. I pray that it won't be from Brad, but Lord, I just want to be the delivery boy from heaven this morning to bring a word of substance and significance that transforms lives, Father. Would You mould our lives, change us this morning, Holy Spirit, as we come into alignment with Your Word and not the other way around. We love you so much, Father. We come with great expectation and everyone with faith said, Amen, Amen. Feel free to take a seat. Thanks, thanks Rod. Appreciate that. Praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team. Don't you love our worship team? And thank you, people on the sound and the media and the commitment and time you put in. Thank you so much. It's great to come and worship together in God's presence. And I just really want to pray this morning that we don't miss the moment, hey? I always think about that when I'm uh, preaching, is that moments just go by so quick. In fact, have you ever heard that saying, man, time flies when you're having fun? <laughs> it's actually interesting. I went to a bit of a conference and it's actually, uh, he taught about how our awareness of time can actually go fast or slow. Obviously, time doesn't change, but your awareness of it, depending on what's going on around you, can seem like it goes faster. And who knows, the older you get, it seems like it's going faster and faster. But I just pray that when you come to God's Word, when we come into this moment, that you lean in and that you say, Lord, I don't want to miss this moment. It's not Brad, it's not the preacher, whoever's preaching, but I want, I want to hear from you. And, and we also just commit uh, Luke Winter. He's uh, preaching at 2J this morning. So we talk about being a missional church. He's 2J Baptist Church, don't have a pastor. And so um, I've had a connection with them for a while. And, and Luke is guest speaking there this morning. He's also been doing some guest speaking at Chidlow Community Church. Uh, and also next week, he's going to be preaching at the night service at Parkerville Baptist Church, where I used to be. Uh, for, so yeah, so it's fantastic that seeing Luke released into his gifts, and it's just a good picture of how we, we want us all to be like that, not to be out preaching a 2J every week. I don't know how many sinners there are out there that need us all to get out there and sort them out. But, uh, but that we're released into our gifting of what God's called you to do. That's, that's what we see the role as church leadership and pastoring, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Amen. Yeah, we're here to work, put our, here to put our hands to the, to the plough. And we're in this series all about uh, living on mission, living a life that is on mission. And, uh, you know, that is the truth. We are all missionaries, really, aren't we? Uh, as, as we've highlighted chaplaincy, as a chaplain goes into a school to serve, obviously, uh, and I've, I did a little bit of chaplaincy in my time. Unfortunately, they abused me when I was a chaplain. They put me in a maths class and made me help kids with that that abusive stuff called algebra I've told you before. But anyway, uh, and, and when, you, when you go into a new environment, who knows that to be a missionary, you've got to, you've got to know the culture, you've got to learn the culture, you've got to learn the language, you've got to relate. You know, if you're speaking to a six-year-old child about something, you're going to change the way you do that, correct? You're going to relate on their level. And that's what we're all called to do in life is to do, the Bible calls it, the work of an evangelist, to, to be on mission, to be looking out to see how we can be a missionary in our world. When Jesus um, left earth before he went back to heaven, he was very clear, and uh, my first slide, very clear about what he wanted. And it's, um, he said it each time, he said it in his last uh, words to his disciples. Uh, and it's just a well-known passage. Some people 
have called it the Great Suggestion, but it's really called the Great Commission. Amen? It's not a suggestion. It's His Great Commission. And it starts when He says, now go. And who knows that being a Christian on mission, your core word, the key word is that we are a people who go. We're not a people who expect everyone to come, who expect everyone to come and be like us, but rather we're called to go out. And that that is what it means to be on mission, that we have eyes that go, ears that go, hands that go, feet that go, go. We are a people that say yes to the go of God wherever we go. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. It's interesting that it's, a, it's like a general thing, go and make disciples, but he's actually, God's been specific, of all nations. Then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I love how he says, I want you to go and make disciples, and we should be looking to make disciples. Disciples are people that follow Jesus with their life. They take up an apprenticeship with him, and the apprenticeship never ends. It's not a four-year one. And we follow Jesus with our whole life. It's not just to make someone believe in Jesus. The belief is just the doorway, the step, the first step to real discipleship, to following Jesus. But it says of all nations, God's passionate about nations, every tribe and every tongue, and uh, depends on current research, there are still nations, there are still parts of the world today that are unreached, that probably will never hear the gospel if there aren't, isn't a people and a church of, of Jesus Christ that go. They just never will. There's actually a lot still in the world today. So even though we've done a great job maybe over 2,000 years as a church in so many ways of reaching out, there is still so much more go. I've always been a real passionate person about local, on-the-ground, on-the-street missionary work because I... I don't like going on planes for starters. That's number one. But, but number two, I just, I just, I love Australia. I love WA. And I remember God said to me when I was shearing in the shearing shed, he said, Brad, I wanted, because I wanted to go to Bible college. I wanted to, I wanted to be a preacher. <laughs> so, and he said, Brad, if you can't live for me in this shearing shed right here, right now, you won't do it anywhere else. So it starts with being a missionary where you are. And I'll never forget the first time they let me have the mic at church and I was going to preach and all the shearers coming through the doorway, the guy at the door that had been shaking hands for 48 years just about fell over. Who are these people? No one got saved that day, but they certainly came and had a listen anyway to see what I was going on about. Because it starts with where we are at and Jesus wants us all to be on go. We see in the book of Acts then that the gospel starts spreading And it goes out in power in the first eight chapters. And if you've got your scrolls or your tablets there, we're going to go to Luke chapter, sorry, Luke wrote it, Acts chapter 8. And uh, on your phones there, Acts chapter 8. And we're going to read a portion of sort of weird scripture. Um, But we see in Acts the the gospel going out in power. uh, And what, what would happen is the believers would go out in power, get persecuted, Go back out more power, go out, spread, get persecuted. And they're going out, but it started in Jerusalem because Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, start where you're at, in, here in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And in Acts chapter 8, we meet an interesting character by the name of Philip. Philip the evangelist, not Philip in the disciple Philip, but Philip the evangelist, this guy who is actually got an amazing ministry of signs and wonders, people getting demons cast out of them, healings happening. And the start of Acts chapter 8, he's having a revival in Samaria. So it's going from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. And we see that the gospel is spreading in power. And then something kind of weird happens in a way that Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, throws in this story about this guy called Philip from verse 26. And we don't read a heck of a lot about Philip. We do know that Philip was chosen in Acts chapter 6 to, to serve as a deacon, you know, so to wait on tables. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And if you're full of the Holy Spirit, by the way, you will have a servant heart. That's real, real Holy Spirit filling is not just so we can speak in tongues and praise God. That's all wonderful and I love it. But it's actually just power for service. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be something. And it's called a witness of who Jesus is to you. And so Philip was full of the Holy Spirit. He also, by the way, side note, we see him at the end of the book of Acts. And he's got four daughters. 
So he had his work cut out, this guy. Like he's, he, God gave him a lot. He had four daughters and they all prophesied. So it's cool. He raised up uh, daughters that were prophesying. Really cool. But Luke writes, this is what happened um, in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Are you with me this morning? I hope you're with me because this is where it gets exciting. Here we go. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Remember where he was? Revival, signs and wonders, amazing things going on. And he said, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. <laughs> I think I would be like, Lord, I've got a pretty good ministry here in Kalamunda. I don't want to go to Bonnie Rock. <laughs> I'm like, Stuff's happening here. Don't call me out to the bush, out to the outback, out to where there's no bakeries and important things in life. Come on. He's like, I want you to go down, go south. To the de-. He's like, okay, Lord. So he arose and went, no questions asked. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, catch this, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had charge of all her money, all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit said to Philip, capital S, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And that culture you would read out loud. They didn't teach silent reading at school back then. It was you would read out loud. And he heard him reading out loud the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you were reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture he read was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. Catch that line. And all who will declare his, uh, and who will declare his generation, for his life was taken from the earth. Who knows where he's reading from? Isaiah chapter 53. If you could pick anything in Isaiah, I mean, there's a lot of chapters. I'm not condemning you. I wouldn't expect you to get it. 53, if you could be reading anywhere in the Old Testament that would show the gospel, you'd have Isaiah 53, the Messiah, the suffering servant of what Jesus, this is Jesus in Old Testament print thousands of years before. And he's saying, and he's reading this and he's like, and then he says, um, so so where am I? So yeah, oh yeah, verse 34. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, Of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Another key uh, line to remember, what what hinders me from being baptized? And the next uh, verse 37, if you're reading an NIV, you might not have this verse. It's in the King James, the New King James, verse 37. But in the oldest manuscripts, it wasn't so common, so they took it out. But it doesn't really change the context. It says this, Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. A very interesting story about two characters, Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, An Ethiopian eunuch, and you might be thinking, what is a eunuch? And a eunuch was uh, somebody who had been generally forcibly emasculated, they were castrated, and so... It was often would be done to a man in his youth so that in his youth then he could go into service to a high official like a king who had a wife or wives and who had daughters and this eunuch would be considered a safe person because obviously their, uh, their, their being able to be lustful was taken away from them and so they were considered safe so they were like guards so they could guard things. Now this guy was a very high up guard and just side note, God isn't into castration, by the way. This wasn't his plan. This wasn't like, yeah, just amen, a few amens out there. Amen. We've got 50 sheep and I've just had to wring all our weathers. And I tell you what, it's an eye-watering thing just to have to do it to your sheep. Anyway, um, this, this, this guy was high up. He was the CFO 
the chief financial officer of Candace, queen of Ethiopia. So he had a lot of authority. He had a lot of power. But he, 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 you could almost say he had everything, except a couple of things. Uh, <laughs> but he had everything else. And I don't make fun of the castration thing because in the day it was not good and it's not a good thing. But eunuchs were actually reasonably common back then in, in, in this sort of thing. And it was something, especially in pagan stuff, that was happening. And so they would... Um, be guarding things. The thing about this eunuch you've got to catch though is he is a seeker. He has gone over 4,000 kilometers to get to Jerusalem to worship. But notice the Bible doesn't say he did worship. It says he went to worship. But it is very possible, highly likely, that he left Jerusalem where he went to worship not having worshipped. He wouldn't have worshipped for a couple of reasons. Number one, he was a Gentile. He was not a Jew to get into the, the place of worship. But number two, he was a eunuch. And Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 in the law says, He who is emasculated by crushing or mutilation shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Eunuchs were outcast. Eunuchs were on the outer. He really would have come away going there to worship. Something spurred him on to go there. He wanted to seek God. I don't know if you've ever wanted to seek God, but you discover a religious system that holds you out, a religious system that says, no, you can't come through here because you're not a Jew, so you've got to get over this line, a religious system that puts hurdle after hurdle up, and you've got to do this and do that. And he's coming away still hungry but frustrated because I went to worship, but I can't worship. In fact, I'd be thinking, who is this God? Who is this God? Is this God that I can't approach and this empty religion that he's still hungry and looking? It's interesting that obviously with money, he can get things. He was able to get himself a scroll and he's not reading the Bible like we read it. He's reading a scroll of Isaiah that wouldn't have been chapters and verses, which is an important thing to note. And he's hungry, and he's interested, and he's seeking. And then we see that God sends an outward-focused Christian to an outcast. And part of our vision here is to be an outward-focused church. And true outward-focused Christians are interested and passionate about seeking the outcasts. It's the challenge. And Philip, this outward-focused believer, sees him. And I just want to give you a few thoughts for personal reflection for your life because in the book of Acts, we see so much happening in gatherings. You know, 3,000 saved in a day. Uh, The church exploding, gathering together. But here we see this sort of strange account of this one. God saying, hey, there's lots going on in Samaria, but I'm calling you to go down to the desert road, which means it's not often traveled. It's not, not a popular place. I'm calling you to go because I've got a one for you to go to. I'm interested in the one because you watch what's going to happen when God gets to a one in this Ethiopian eunuch. So a few thoughts for you. Number one is that to be, live a life on mission, we need to have an ear toward heaven in spite of earthly matters. Philip was able to hear from the angel of the Lord, to hear from the messenger of God and have an ear toward heaven in the middle of great success, in the middle of great ministry of God moving and all things happening, he was able to still tune into heaven and go, you know what, even though this is all great and it doesn't make sense that I would leave a revival, I'm going to do it because I've heard from heaven. He doesn't go, oh God, you don't, I don't understand. I've got some stuff happening here. Uh, you know, this is, this is, I'm busy. We could start an amazing ministry. was to get to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that includes going to the desert places. And he goes tuned in. I want to ask you this morning, how tuned in are you to hearing God's promptings in the busyness and loudness of the world? I want to challenge us this morning. Are we open to God interrupting our schedules and our expectations so that we can serve another person. Opening our heart to God's interruptions may be the start of a massive God movement. Ears towards heaven. Number two, uh, a heart on mission. Positions yourself for opportunity. Position yourself for opportunity. Notice Philip He didn't walk or stroll to this chariot when the Spirit said to him, go to the chariot. He ran to the chariot. He was enthusiastic about following God's will because he wanted to get into a position. Catch this. I've got to get close enough to be involved. He got close enough 
geographically to be able to hear what was going on in this guy's life. And my challenge for us is, are you close enough to other people to be able to hear what's really going on in the lives of others that don't know Jesus? Because being on mission is positioning yourself and realizing God is wanting to position you. Um, If our lives are never close to people, we will limit divine opportunities. I know for our journey, and um, fortunately some of our families are still a bit unwell, so they're not here this morning. But um, going through a cancer journey has been, in our family, has given us great divine positional opportunities to help and bless other people. We're walking with a couple of people right this, at this moment who are going through their own cancer journey. And as much as it was a horrible thing to go through, when God uses things, turns around and says, what the devil meant for evil, I'm going to use for good. He will use what you've been through. He will use something about your life where you can be positioned in a way to get into the lives of other people, to hear and minister into their lives. And it's a great privilege. So I want to challenge you and ask you this morning, what is it in your journey where is it at your workplace? Where is it with your relationships, in your family? Where's, where's God positioning you? The Spirit saying, hey, run to that person. Run to that area. And, and, and when it comes to growing in God and just pure discipleship, it's all about positioning yourself. It's all about being in just that position. You know, great footy players and basketball players, you know what they can do in sport? They can read the play. They can read the play, and when you read the play, you know how to get into position, and God is wanting us to read the play as a church. He's wanting us to hear from His Spirit and to position ourselves, and I'm excited about this season we're in as a church of building foundations, of, of sensing who we are, of seeing new people coming along and saying, hey, is this my spiritual home, and uh, what, what that looks like, and being on mission, what does it look like for us in Kalamunda? Uh, Mel French, who spoke last week about compassion, she said, you know, our, our mission never changes, but our assignments change. And we're seeking God to say, what is our assignments around Kalamunda, around the city? How, how do you want to use Kalamunda Church and what you've given us to position us for mission? Does that make sense? Number three is to have a heart and a life on mission. You need, we need to connect with people where they are at. I love this thought, and this is where it gets really powerful. He said to him, Philip said, do you understand what you are reading? Notice Philip didn't say, hey, turn over to Genesis chapter 2. I want to talk to you about a thing called the fall. I want to explain the God. He didn't. He starts where he's at. He says, hey, where are you? Do you understand that? And then he, he just connects with him with what he's doing. And he asks questions. There's about five different questions just in this little portion of Scripture. The power of questions to just ask a question is so important. So much so that our next series coming up is called FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions. And as of next week, there's going to be a box in the next step area or in the foyer, a box with question marks on it. And there's going to be opportunity for you to write down questions that you have about anything. And I guarantee you, somebody is going to say, does my pet go to heaven question? That always gets done in these sorts of things. Dogs go to heaven. And I'd love you to utilize that. And over the next month, write down any questions about God, about life, about the Bible. It's anonymous, so you can write anything. And I'll filter them anyway, so it's all good. And uh, and we're going to do a series answering some frequently asked questions. And anything I don't know, I'm going to ask somebody else to come and preach about. Amen. So, but the power of questions is really important because this is how you connect with people. You know, people love to talk about one person. Hello, thank you, amen, themselves. And so when you connect with people, the more questions you ask is connecting with them. And Philip does that. I love that thought. Um, he was wanting to know where God was moving in this guy's life. So do you understand what you're reading And it's interesting, he's reading Isaiah, and he's reading 53, uh, the suffering servant. And this really struck me, is that I picture this guy, picture this, I picture this eunuch who's probably been forcibly emasculated as a younger person. And he's trying to connect with God, and he's had so much happen in his life, and he's trying to put the puzzle together. And then he sees Isaiah 53, and he's reading about this person who was like a sheep led to the slaughter. 
and he's reading words like slaughter. He's like humiliation. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. He's like, this person had no justice. What was done to him was unjust. It was wrong. And this eunuch is starting to feel the pain. And it's like his life was taken from him. He's like, my life was taken from me. I can never have a family. I can never be accepted in society. I'm always going to be second class, outcast. And he's reading Isaiah and his heart's going, who is this? Who is this person that I'm connecting with? I feel like it's me he's going. And Philip's is able to say to him, he's like, is this, is this the writer or someone else? And then the Bible says, uh, which is the next point, he connects with where they're at, but then he points him to Jesus, which is the last sort of point. He points him to Jesus. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. He didn't start with this scripture and go, now listen, just wait a sec, I've got a harpist out back. He's going to come play the harp softly. And um, when he gets here, I've got a couple of funny stories to tell you. Listen to this preacher called Brad one time. He had a good joke for an intro. He didn't. He just said, you know what? He opened his mouth. See, the thing about being on mission, you have an open heart, an open life, but you need to have an open mouth. There comes a time where you need to give an answer for the hope that is within you, the Bible says. What comes out of your mouth? And what came out of his mouth, he said, beginning with where he was at, and this is ministry, he took him to Jesus. He preached Jesus to him. Notice Philip was ready. He knew his Bible. He didn't say, man, I haven't heard that one, but I'll get, I'll, can we go somewhere else? It is so important to know that God's word is powerful enough on its own. Amen? Come on, this is, this, is why, this, is, this is what's changed my life. The Holy Spirit breathing on this word into this heart brings transformation. Information is one thing and we need information, but the information we have must turn to revelation because when you get a revelation, you get a transformation in your life. And so the Word of God is what will bring that transformation in your life. And he knew it. Philip was committed to it. And he points him to Jesus. He didn't go on to another subject. He kept the main thing, the main thing. And that's what we're going to do as a church. That's what we who we are here at Kalamunda, we want to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. And Philip knew that, man, you can open this book up, you can go on any page you want, it's pointing to Jesus. That's why we're Christ-centered here at Kalamunda, it's all about Him. As the team comes back up and gets ready to close out, I'm just going to close with this thought, so I get my heart players up. <laughs> You know, we, a life on mission, there's something really powerful here. He wasn't just, he would have been reading Isaiah, and I love that thought, but he would have known that he was an outcast. And he had this guy called Philip come and explain the scriptures to him. And we need Philips in our life to explain and guide us in the word of God. Uh, it says, I might have asked, yeah, um, the last slide, it says that both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized at such a moment. And they came up out of the water, this is the last verse, and they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. So the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. He went on his way rejoicing. I believe, and I can't prove this necessarily in the Scripture, but I believe he was rejoicing and had so much joy not just because he was saved, not just because of that. I believe he was still reading Isaiah because there were no chapters and that back then. It's just a scroll, as many words as they get on the scroll. And if he had kept reading, do you know he would have gone down to the last slide I've got? He would have gone down to Isaiah 56, number three. And this is what it says. Hardly can read it. And he's reading and he's gone through all this pain in his life. And he says, do not, this is what God says, do not let the son of a foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, here I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, who hold fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house, catch this, even to them in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than the sons and daughters, better than of sons and daughters, I'll give them an everlasting name. They shall not 
be cut off. And he's reading this and he comes away with great joy, not just because he's saved, but he's restored. God has given him a promise. God has given him a new identity. God is saying, you know what? In the church, the real church, the body of Christ, there is no curtain. There is no veil. There is no lines. Everyone can be accepted and you are as accepted as Jesus himself as he reads this. And he's like, wow. And did you know that this man from Ethiopia, went back as a missionary in Africa. And history records that as he went back, he not only started a church, but he is now known as and called very, um, in Africa, he's called the father of faith in Africa. To this man, to this unit, goes back to history from when he came out from that experience and he went and spread the gospel. Why did he spread it with such passion? Because what the world called a barren man, God called a fruitful son. What the world called sterile, God said is potent. What the world said cannot produce, God said, I'm going to birth millions. And right now, you know how many Christians there are in Africa? I don't either, but there's lots. <laughs> Google it. And there is literally millions and millions of believers impacted from going from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth, Africa, Ethiopia, Australia, America, because not just of this eunuch, but because there was a Philip in his life. And my call and challenge for us this morning is to ask ourselves a very sobering question. What if Philip didn't go? What if Philip didn't know the Bible? What if this eunuch never got past understanding Psalm 53? And praise God, we, we know that there's no have to answer that, but I want to say this. We have eunuchs, we have people, not literal ones, we have people in our life waiting this week, waiting this year for a Philip, for someone with a heart on mission to hear from heaven to get close, to connect where they're at, to speak Jesus when the opportunity comes and to set their heart on fire. God wants to use us, and I say it with, with all confidence, God wants to use us as a church that reaches the lost people, the outcast people. And it takes the Philip heart, the heart of an evangelist in all of us, you might be going, Brad, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, can't, I couldn't share Jesus. Well, keep coming to church because you're going to get empowered and equipped to know how to share Jesus in your way. Not, you know, not everyone's got called to a microphone, but we're all called to a life on mission. And it might not be in even what you say. It's what you do. It's how you live. But God wants to equip you and empower you. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray a blessing over us. And then I'm going to hand back to the worship team and open up. The area down the front, which has grown a bit since youth conference because of all the wonderful things that God did at youth conference, they need more room, hey? Praise God. If you want to come down, I'd love to pray for you. I, I, I specifically, though, if you want to come down the front and you would like me to lay hands on you in, the, in an impartation of that evangelistic heart for God, that hunger for people, that hunger for souls, then I'd love to just lay hands on you and pray for that. So feel free to come for that. If there's other things, there's other people that can come to and pray for you for other prayer needs. But as we're in a moment of prayer, Father, I just thank you this morning for your word that is so powerful. Father, we want to thank you for faithful people like Philip who just, just followed you when it didn't make sense, who made an impact on people and they made an impact on nations. We thank you that you are, Lord, passionate about every nation. I want to lift up this nation that we're into you, Father. Australia that now needs missionaries in it now. Churches on mission. Not caught up in other things, but being on mission to keep the main thing the main thing. Father, I just pray for healing over us, over our lives, where things need to be healed for us to be healthy witnesses of you. That we would release forgiveness to ourselves and forgiveness to others. 
Right now, I just feel to pray for that. I just pray and, and just cast out any root of bitterness. And you might want to do that in your own heart. Just cast out any root. It's trying to get a root that will bear fruit. But we just cast out that root of bitterness and replace it with forgiveness and love and peace. Father, we thank you so much that you've called us to go and we want to say yes to that go. Continue to mold us, empower us, equip us. I just pray in equipping over us that, that the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say this week. He'll give you the people to run into. He will be, give you divine opportunities this week. You won't be just going to the shops. You're going on assignment from heaven. You're not just going to get your car fixed. You're going on assignment from heaven. You're not just there by accident. God is positioning you for intentional ministry, to love like Jesus loves, which was the very foundation of this sermon series. So we, I just pray that over us, Lord. Give us eyes to see and hearts to feel and hands to respond as we worship you. And everyone said, Amen.